people who have expressed an interest in investing and have not attended the webinar might have missed it we follow up via um a couple of blast emails then we get into personalized emails um where we're sending them it's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there but how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions well you've come to the right spot whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur a passive investor or looking to get into real estate investing our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Jared Ash. And today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those not familiar with Jared, he is head of investor relations at Crown Capital and has been investing in real estate since 2017. Not only that, currently he's a GP on multiple properties across Texas and Kentucky and owns several rental properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Jared, my man, it's great to see you. Welcome to the show. You too. Thanks for having me. Absolutely excited to speak with you today. Uh, before we get jump into the things, I know we're going to talk about connecting with investors, all that good stuff. Before we get into that, though, tell us more about your background, your story, and how you got into real estate. Yeah, well, Crown Capital, we're a syndication company. We help individual investors like yourself or others uh, buy, buy into an apartment building or another asset around the country. Uh, I got in because I had a, a former roommate, sort of like an older brother type, um, in DC 20 plus years ago, who started buying condos when parts of a lot of large part of DC was not very nice. And, mm. um, as DC finally has become like a nice place to live where people live in the heart of the city, he has gotten much appreciation and a lot, a lot of cash flow out of just a handful of units there that he manages himself and does everything. And it just sort of inspired me. And then I had a cousin who lives in LA who was buying out-of-state turnkey properties. And just the two of them had inspired me to get more cash flow from properties. So I look at how can I, I do that? And that's what drove me into real estate. That sounds fantastic. I mean, it's always that spark, right? It's usually you're influenced by somebody. I know the same thing was for me as well. I got influenced by somebody else who was doing it. I was like, oh, I got to start doing this, right? And then I kind of went all in and it's been a whole thing since then, right? So uh, love that story, man. And as we spoke about, you know, your head of investor relations, Crown Capital, that's a that's a super important role, especially for syndicators and sponsors and stuff like that, right? I think that's one of the, the biggest things you can do. And so building connections and relationships is probably a big focus for you, right? And I'm sure that's something you've, you've become very good that over time. And so, but I don't think that that's a really a natural skill for everybody. And I know for me, that wasn't, that's not a natural skill, right? That's something that had to be worked on and approved and all that stuff. So how have you been able to develop the skill over time? Or is that just something you were kind of like naturally gifted with? A little bit of both, right? I, I was probably back in high school, not the most charismatic, um, popular kid or anything like that. I definitely wasn't. And, <laughs> uh, but throughout my career, uh, for for more than 20 years prior to real estate, my job became relationship building. And that's mm. the secret to success in here. Really, it's listening to people, figuring out what drives them, what their needs are. And the same thing applies to real estate investing, right? If you want somebody to invest $25,000, $250,000 with you, they need to believe that that you're a quality institution and that you're going to, to do what you said. And so building that trust and not making it transactional is really important. 
Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think that's almost easier said than done, right? Because you were saying, don't be transactional when, you know, a lot of people, that's kind of just how it may come off naturally. Uh, if they don't have practice with this, I think being transactional is kind of the first approach, right? That uh, comes to most people. I know it did to me, but, uh, you know, so let's let's kind of play this out. You know, I'm a passive investor. And when I jump on a, a call with with a guy like you, Jared, uh, I'll have some questions lined up, right? I'm, I'm, I want to vet the sponsor. I want to talk to you, the, the head of investor relations. Uh, so basically, I almost have like a uh, a checklist of questions that I want to go through, right? Uh, but on your end, what does that look like? What's the focus for you as you go into, say, an investor call, uh, just wanting to connect and build that relationship? I want to know what their goals are, particularly mm. around financial. I also want to know if they have personal goals, right? But what are they doing this for? And I gave a great example when I was talking to an investor this morning to to get to an answer. I was talking to a, a gentleman in his mid-80s who's interested in investing, but he wants a deal that's two to three years, uh, oh. where our average deal happens to be five to seven years. But he's like, hey, if you have come across a deal that's two to three, I'm good. And when he explains why, he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be alive longer than that. And sure. so sure. I like how he was open and honest about it. And, and I hope he's around for, for 10 years and I can still do multiple transactions. But his, his theory was he wants to be out in a couple of years, earn a little bit of cash flow, make his money continue to work for him. And all of that, where I also talked uh, earlier this week to somebody who's like 37, has one kid, lives in California, an expensive market, can't quite afford their first home, but wants to, him and his wife have a plan to develop cash flow. And they want to have their primary residence come from cash flow from investments. Mm. And that's a lot of discipline, right? That's hard sure. to do, but you have to understand those qualities about people and what kind of deal you want to put them into. For them, mm. a 10-year hold might actually be a better investment mm. than the other guy who wants a short-term hold. And so listening to those things and then going to them, sure, they're all on our email list. They'll get notification about every deal. But picking and choosing who you call, who you follow up with, who you want to talk to. Um, they both want education in a different way. So mm. understanding that's really important to listen. Yeah, and I think that that's huge, right? And that actually rolls into another question I wanted to ask. So as, as a passive investor, for me, it's very important to make sure the sponsor and I are aligned, right? We want to make sure we're, you know, hand in hand doing this thing that that we we kind of cross paths and see eye to eye or whatever on on what the investment is, right? And so, but it's really a two-way street. So you just mentioned, you know, you're talking to some guys, one guy wanted uh, a three-year hold and the other guy might be uh, tailored better to a 10-year hold, right? But so the investor needs need to be kind of catered to, not necessarily by you guys, but you need to understand the investor needs, right? So have you ever, during a call or whatever, just flat out found an investor that was not a good fit for the type of deals you guys provide? You know, I because I think that's it's important from both sides that it's a good fit, right? It's not just, hey, I'm an investor. I don't really like the sponsor. Move on. It's also the same uh, from the sponsor being like, hey, this investor doesn't we don't really kind of, we don't provide the kind of deals you're really looking for. Is that is that fair? Is that something you guys see? I would say it's actually a small amount of people, but some of them sure. are um, fairly sophisticated investors. Like I sure. talked to somebody who he sits on half a million dollars and he'll take it in and out of the stock market right now. And, but he'll move it within a day, a week, right? Somebody like that doesn't want any of their money tied up. A good friend of mine, that's an attorney, just wants to do his own thing. He's got a small, you know, practice. Um, he's got 
50K, 100K to easily invest, but he'd rather follow the CNBC ticker and bet on the stock that's hot yeah. and, and do that. And they like to be liquid. So those are people who we're just not a good fit for because we're holding on to your capital generally at least three years. Yeah. It's no, a lot I, of times five to seven. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was just, I had an investor, I was talking to an investor not too long ago. It was the exact same case. And we had a conversation, right? And, uh, he was all pumped up, loved the deals. He's seen some of our previous stuff and absolutely loved it. But, you know, toward, somewhere in the conversation there, he he brought up that liquidity was his biggest concern, right? And uh, uh, he wanted to be make sure that he was liquid. And I was like, well, that's going to be a deal breaker right there because like just like you said, your your money capital is going to be locked up for, for at least probably three to five years minimum, right? So uh, liquidity, if, that, if that's going to be something you really need, then these deals are going to be for you, right? Yeah. At the same time, it's really about educating people because this concept of pooling your money to invest and buy an apartment building and trust somebody to run it sounds crazy. And I've got a, a doctor friend in DC. She's great. I, I've met her and her husband. I've known her for 20 years almost. And her and they own like two or three rental properties in DC, including a condo she had bought in college. Mm. But you know, this concept of like, wait, I'm going to trust somebody else with my real estate money and doing all of that. So you've got to, they, they've got to understand the concept, which is why at Crown Capital, we believe in education and we hold um, weekly educational forums that you could replay, either you could attend in person or, or in person online on Zoom, we offer them, or you could listen to the replays and just pick up on a topic, just educating people about what we're doing and how they can make money. It's what we're about. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I love that you guys are out there educating your investors and getting them really, you know, just putting all the information out there that they need to make a, an informed decision, right? And so um, one of the things that I found uh, being a past investor that kind of goes in line with exactly what we're talking about, being educated and understanding is uh, for me as a past investor, one of the most important things is capital preservation, right? Of course, I want to make a return on my money. I mean, that's all, I mean, those are all obvious things, right? But number one, I don't want to lose my money, right? That's, you know, like you said, trust is absolutely critical and we got to establish that trust. So, you know, Obviously, we know things, there's risk involved in these investments and things can go sideways. But again, capital preservation, number one, how are you communicating the importance uh, your firm puts on capital preservation to your investors? And do you have any maybe experiences or examples you could give us? Uh, yeah, look at the stock market this year, right? Yeah. What did you bet on? Facebook, Google, right? Everybody's down. Sure. And that doesn't mean they're not good companies in that, you know, five years from now, three years from now, your stock won't make money. The, the difference is, and look, over any set of time, stocks will go back up. Um, how quickly is another story? But if you're betting on the stock market, 97% of stock investors are betting on the appreciation of a stock, a stock that goes from $100 to $1,000. And how quickly does it do that? Because you only make money at the sale. Sure. But that $100 could lose 25%, like most stocks have in the last 12 months. And now you have $75 there. What we're offering is one cash flow, right? So along the way, you are getting money every quarter, every month, depending on our deal, and you have some money in the bank, right? Then you're getting that preservation of capital like you're talking about, because we try in most cases in three, no more than five, not only are we paying you cash flow, but every quarter we are trying to pay you back a portion of your principal so you start getting that ideally to reinvest or to have back in your in your wallet. And it's about that trust. And the stock market can't guarantee that. 
we're a hard asset, you, right? Your show is, is two assets. An asset is something that's there, that's tangible. That building is still standing. And if for some reason it, it goes away in a hurricane, okay, we have insurance that covers that, that pretends it's still standing. Right. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. And, uh, you know, investing in hard assets versus paper assets, we could have a whole nother show on that, right? I think that's one of those uh, topics we could talk about for a long time, right? And I, But I'm in totally agree. I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, I love the idea of investing in hard has, hard assets, something that's actual tangible, right? In your hands or at least a hard structure, right? Um, so love that. You know, so I want to kind of take this and, and move it into kind of a different um, segment of this, right? So, you know, we talked about, um, reaching out to investors and kind of educating them and all that. Say an investor is, um, they like your deals, they express interest and they they invest and you know, they're like, hey, I want to get on your list, all this stuff, right? So I'm just going to provide an example here. So for me, uh, I this happened to me, actually it was a while ago, but I had spoken with an investor or a sponsor and um, great conversation. And, you know, I love their deals. I've seen their deals in the past. I'd actually been following them for a little while, but um had a great conversation, loved the, loved all the stuff they were doing. I said, Hey, just make sure, you know, I continue to get deals, all this stuff. And then I got busy after the call and totally forgot about all that. You know, he told me I had a deal coming out, all this stuff. I had completely just whiffed on it. Right. I got busy. Um, but the one thing that this sponsor did is they, they followed up with me. They kept following up with me. Right. It was one of those things and they followed up, they followed up and it wasn't annoying or wasn't anything like that. But I got to tell you, I was really thankful that they did follow up. Cause I had, again, lost track. Right. And then they reminded me and I was like, Oh, that's right. Let me take a look at still one more time. And I looked at it and I invested in it. And I was so thankful that they, uh, that they did follow up because, you know, it's been a great deal ever since. But so I want to talk about that with you. Right. So how important is it for you guys to follow up and what's your follow-up process um, when it comes to after you speak with investors for the first time? Well, as we're following up, it's important to, and, and our philosophy is we're not selling you. If the investment's sure. not a good deal for you, right? Using those two different people I talked about, we got to put them into the right deal. And so this has to be beneficial to you. If it's not beneficial to you, don't do it because you yeah. like me, but don't not do it because you don't like me today, right? Yeah. Or, or do it because this will make you money as an investor. Right. Uh, and so if you come as this is an opportunity, that's why that guy's following up. That's why you were grateful for it. Mm -hmm. Our, our follow-up process is when we have a deal. So we're always doing communications. We're always talking to people. When we have a deal, it first just goes out on our, to our email list, right? People we've had conversations with that say, this is the opportunity. We throw up that we're having a webinar, uh, generally about the deal. And then we look at, uh, we can track who has attended the webinar in person who has downloaded it and all of that. So first our follow-up starts with all of those people, see what questions they may have. And we do that follow-up. People who have expressed an interest in investing and have not attended the webinar, might've missed it. We follow up via um, a couple of blast emails. Then we get into personalized emails mm. um, where we're sending them. And sometimes that's 200 emails and sometimes it's just 12. Right. Just depends on how the deal's going and what the opportunity is. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that, you know, for for many passive investors, once they find a sponsor that they they trust and the communication's good and they follow up and all that good stuff, right? They really tend to be repeat investors, right? And as as a passive investor myself, that's one of my favorite strategies. I'm not I'm not the type of investor that likes to kind of 
spread around a ton of different sponsors, right? I like to find the, you know, a handful of sponsors that I really like to invest with. And I like to double down on those guys. And for you guys as well, I'm sure it's great to have those repeat investors, right? Repeat investors are the best investors. Uh, so, um, so with that being said, as an investor relations guy, you know, how important is to you for you guys to build long-term relationships with investors and how are you going about doing that? Do you guys have a strategy or what kind of efforts are you putting forward other than say like an email blast or whatever? Yeah. You got to check in with them. So like on one of our assets, we did a big quarterly report. Uh, you know, like every month we send out a newsletter, how the asset's doing and all that. But we sent out, I want to say like November 15th, like a big report. And, you know, a week went by and we could track who's, who's sort of opening and not. In that case, we only had like 22 investors in it. And there was, mm. I think, two, maybe three people that didn't. And I texted them and said, hey, just want to make sure you saw this email. I'm resending it again right now. It's worth going through. And I, I didn't do that to all of them. I did it to the ones who did not open it. Um, oh, okay. And then I didn't hear back from one of them. And I left them a voicemail message and then got like an email back. Hey, got it. This is great. And, and that's just to make sure we're that we're communicating. We know what's going on. They feel good. Um, when they ask questions, respond. And, and a buddy of mine just asked questions on that same deal. And I was like, dude, I am so sick. I'm going to try to forward this to somebody else right now. But now we're going into Thanksgiving. Like you get, you just got to give me like two weeks to get better, get over Thanksgiving and everything else. And then I, I did. And I responded in less than the two weeks, but I was honest. I communicated where, how long it was going to take, that it was going to take longer than normal. And we got him his answers. And as long as you're responsive, people appreciate it. That's so critical, man. I know that uh, other when I was first getting into uh, passive real estate investing, you know, I was evaluating a lot of sponsors, right? And that was one of the the most critical things for me in choosing sponsors. Really, at first, was how responsive are they, right? And uh, um, are they are they responding in a timely manner, right? And that's one of those things that I think is super important. Maybe not to every passive investor, but for somebody like me, it's very important, right? I, I don't I need I don't need the answer right away, but just respond in a timely fashion, right? So uh, I think that's absolutely critical. So uh, I appreciate you going to that level of detail there. Um, okay, so I want to take this and kind of uh, talk about what's going on in today's market a little bit, just kind of tie that into investor relations and all that kind of stuff and what you're seeing from your perspective. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of turbulence, you know, interest rates are rising, uh, effects have been felt across many sectors of real estate. And uh, really some are predicting the next six to 12 months to be choppy as well. Right. But um, so when it comes to maybe what you're observing in the market or with your investors or maybe just any other potential investors. Are you hearing, hearing any concerns from them about the economy, the market, or maybe in some of the deals you guys are in? Um, and how are you addressing those concerns? And what does that conversation sound like? You know, you got to, excuse me, you got to address them one off. Uh, there are a lot of people who are just hesitant to do anything. I think mm -hmm. our last raise was August, end of August, mostly September, a little bit in October. And everybody was like, hey, I want to see what happens with the elections. I want to see what's happening with this inflation. I think the, the market is just too volatile right now. And that's really the biggest thing that's on people's mind is just hesitation. And then you could go back to them and hopefully we'll have another deal in, in January here. And I'll be able to say to them, look, you, you sat on your money for the last five months, six months, nine months. What's it done for you? Right? It, even if I'm wrong, like if our numbers are off, which we're hopefully conservative enough in our underwriting, we've we've left wiggle room and we're not wrong. But even if I'm wrong, you still own an apartment, part of an apartment building. Like there's still people living in it. We're cash flowing the deal. 
right? So um, don't leave your money in the bank where it's not doing anything for you. And and that's really the how people are feeling is they're just hesitant to do anything. Um, Russian invasion of Ukraine, right? People, people are just nervous. Gas prices were almost $7 in California. Yeah. I, and like you said, though, you this I think this goes back to, you know, you really got to understand the investor's needs. But it, with that being said, everybody's different, right? All investors are different. For a guy like me, I'm ready to put my money to work as soon as I get it, as long as I find a right deal and a right sponsor. You know, I mean, honestly, keep some dry powder on the side, understand the market, obviously, because I usually keep a pretty good pulse on it. But if I'm in a, a good deal with a good sponsor at a good market and I, I like the economics of the deal, and like you said, the, the underwriting is conservative enough, I'm all in, right? And so I think it's, again, just educating the investors, all that good stuff. Cause I'm like you, I've had, I've had a, a number of people approach me with the same exact concerns, right? They're just hesitant sitting on the sidelines for a little bit, see what's going to happen. Um, and that's usually the, the way it goes, but, um, all right, man. So I got one more question before we get out of here. We, we talk, um, a lot about passive, uh, real estate investing on the show. Um, a lot of our listeners are passive real estate investors. So, um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to passive real estate investors just about whether they're connecting with a sponsor like you, or they're trying to get into deals, anything like that? ask questions, mm. right? Whether it's you don't understand something, an acronym that was said, or you just, hey, I see this trend in vacancy rates from what you sent me three months ago. What what should I know about that? Ask, because that is our job. That's the difference of not buying a share of like General Electric or Disney, right? You don't get to ask anybody a question right. uh, unless you could find it on Google in a press release that they said, we are here to answer your questions and to educate you and be a resource. So don't be afraid to pick up the phone and ask them. And if I they're not available, and if your sponsor isn't available, um, if they're not getting back to you, if they're not answering your questions with transparency, look for another group to invest with. Couldn't agree more, man. I, like I said, I think the responsiveness is absolutely critical. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I love that about ask questions, right? Because it's not normal for an investment, right? You can't, you're not normally asking questions to people about the investment, uh, especially the asset itself, right? So being, so being able to have that resource, uh, use it, right? And uh, I mean, you don't want to abuse it or anything, but definitely get in there if you have some real questions and ask away. Man, it's been fantastic. I appreciate this conversation. I know I've learned a lot about dealing with uh, investors and kind of what, what you guys are doing out there. But before we get out of here, uh, Tell us anything else you guys got going on, more about Crown Capital and what you guys got going on for 2023. Yeah, we've got a, a webinar uh, series coming up. Like I said, we're going to go weekly, educational. It's everything from how to use your retirement funds to invest in real estate, how to, um, how to use life insurance to invest properly, how to reduce your tax liability, uh, and just having a good old time. So come check us out, crowncapitalcorp.com, or you could find Jared Ash on LinkedIn. Uh, we're very active on LinkedIn, uh, as well as other social media, Facebook, Instagram. Awesome. We're going to make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes. Jared, this has been a great conversation, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Appreciate it. Hey, real quick before we get out of here, do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast. We're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business. I promise this will only take you a few seconds and I'd really appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome, guys. Cheers.